0: What up HyperChange, welcome to another episode. Today we're talking about Tesla Q1 2019 earnings. Got an epic show lined up, 36 charts. I'm gonna go through all of the numbers, financials that were reported. Then I'm gonna get into some other highlights from the shareholder letter, then eventually breaking down the entire conference call. I was unfortunately on a plane uh, when the conference call happened, flying back from Autonomy Day, but took all the notes, it's like super late in New York City, but we're doing this anyway because I'm so pumped and I couldn't sleep. Um, so let's get right into the numbers and, and, and take it from there. So, the first thing we're looking at from Tesla is obviously how many vehicles did they deliver in the quarter. Um, this is going to be the biggest proxy for their business. This is already reported info, so we do have you know a playbook for the numbers they're going to report based on these deliveries. Um, as you can see, there was sort of a drop off from Q4 and Q3, but still solid. Um, given the overall trajectory here 63,000 cars delivered. Now, let's move in to see how that trend is translated on onto the income statement. So here is Tesla's quarterly financials up until Q4 2018. Um, you can see we had strong revenue growth and to end the year, two consecutive profitable quarters, but we knew that this quarter was gonna be far more difficult. Um, so I was expecting originally uh, 4.8 billion in revenue with a loss of about $300 million. Um, this is based on you know lower deliveries, the international shipments, pricing cuts, hitting gross margins, all of that stuff and what they end up reporting is actually 4.5 billion in revenue and a loss of 500 million dollars so slightly worse than the numbers that i was expecting but still pretty much in line and it is always important to note that if we comp it on a year-over-year basis because the auto business is super seasonal in q1 you'll see that revenue you know grew nicely and that the operating loss did actually improve year-over-year and to zoom in on that to give you a little bit uh better uh, insight on that You can see here that just in the last quarter, we have 33% year over year revenue growth, and the operating loss was improving. So, um, even when you adjust seasonally, the numbers actually don't look that bad. Now, let's go to gross margin. Um, This was the, you know, I was estimating originally here, this is my estimate for Q1, 15% gross margin. I thought they were going to take a huge hit based on, you know, the cheaper Model 3s, Um, just a number of factors, basically all related to taking down prices for consumers. They ended up reporting uh, well below that 15% number and came in at 12.5% and this is mainly why my earnings estimate was off, so really weak. Uh, gross margin basically you know one of the lowest that tesla's ever had since scaling production but what is so exciting about tesla is once again the operating leverage in their business model is really showing they're not really growing their sgna expenses nowhere near as fast as revenue and as you can see here um you know they really sort of plateaued in terms of their uh, quarterly opex and if you take out this light lighter blue at the top restructuring then it's even you know more of a streamlined operation And so uh, to magnify this further, you can see that the year-over-year OPEX growth rate is greatly under the revenue growth rate, and this is driving significant operating leverage in their business, so that is still all good stuff. And all of these numbers that I'm showing you, um, I got from HyperCharts, so you can go to hypercharts.co slash TSLA. If you wanna get all of the data and play around with the numbers that I'm showing you in this video, Tesla's financials, make sure to check that out. Moving on to the energy business, how did that do this quarter? Well, let's look at battery deployments First, So battery deployments in the quarter were 229 uh, megawatt hours, um, which is solid numbers. Q1, it looks like it was way worse than Q1 last year, but that was when they got realized the huge project in Australia, which is like one of the biggest batteries in the world. So that's lopsiding the results. But overall, you know, a nice uptrend here and there's more commentary and guidance that is very bullish about energy that we're going to get to later um, that is going to provide more insight. But solar, let's take a look at this. You know. Once again, the solar business is really, really winding down and struggling ever since the SolarCity acquisition. And it's not like that, it's not a bad thing necessarily, but this is a transition in Tesla's business model. A, they're stopping to do uh, leasing and loan sales, transitioning to cash sales, which are more profitable, but that meant diminishing overall install volume. And the other thing that they're waiting for is the solar roof. Um, and they talk about that in the conference call, so I'm going to touch on that later. But when the solar roof picks up, then I think we're finally going to see this solar installations chart sort of slowly trend back up uh, for Tesla there. But anyway... The energy revenue—what did this translate to? Three hundred and twenty-five million, uh, right around in line with my estimate. But once again, the year-over-year comp not looking great. They did have the Australia project, but you know, once again, the energy business isn't really turning out to be the growth machine that I thought it was going to be, or it's—it's it's not panning out as quickly. And the other thing that is a little bit disappointing, frankly, is the the gross margins in the energy business. Uh, you know, two percent this quarter. They—they they, claim that that was because they did less solar retrofits, which were more profitable, but. You know, even last year in Q1, they did 9% gross margin. So the 2% this quarter, you know, I'm really hoping that improves uh, going forward. And in particular, the absolute gross profit of the energy business Uh, you can see there was only eight million dollars in the quarter and you know in the past two years you know yeah there's been some quarters where the gross profit's solid but we haven't really seen you know a consistent growth engine trend um, from tesla energy but that could be about to change more on the conference call overall when i think about tesla energy though you know i'm projecting for for right now two billion in revenue uh for the full year for 2019 you know i think that's a low ball based on what tesla wants to do but i that's kind of where my head's at now so thought that was worth throwing out there anyway now the next number which people are super focused on and should be free cash flow this is you know operating cash flow how much cash the business produce minus capex capital expenditures uh you know investing for the future and for the last two quarters you can see this was you know a huge bright spot tesla did 800 million plus then 900 million plus in free cash flow back-to-back quarters uh you know this in met in many people's eyes including myself self, validated the bull thesis for tesla and that this company at scale when they ramp production can pump out significant cash flow and that's what's happening but this quarter we were looking at a loss of 920 million almost reversing itself and this is a little bit misleading because uh the the core business isn't isn't doing this horribly that's not what you're looking at here what you're mainly looking at is a huge inventory build for this overseas shipment. So they had to build all these cars and then ship them overseas. And that lag, um, you know, the cars that they actually built and had to pay for and all the supplies and they put all that cash flow into, they still haven't collected the revenue yet. And so that this is sort of that one quarter international delivery gap that is really hurting the free cash flow. I mean, in also combining that with. You know, the pricing cuts, the lower gross margin, that all flowed through to what was a very weak cash flow quarter. So those are the main financials. And what this ended up to, the last number that I think is the most important when looking at Tesla is cash balance. They ended the quarter with $2.2 billion in cash, including paying down that $900 million note, um, which was a huge headwind. And so their cash balance was down from $3.8 billion to $2.2 billion, but most of it was the debt payment. Um, So actually, from a cash burn perspective, you know, my estimate was uh, $2.3 billion originally, then about $2 billion. so they came in right in between and that was really, really positive and they actually guided to have increasing cash balances going forward. So now, moving to the Q1 shareholder letter, I want to throw out some tidbits here um, that'll give us a little bit more clarity on the numbers. So in Q1, we experienced non-recurring revenue items that negatively impacted our net loss by $188 million. so there was one-time expenses. Um, that significantly hit this quarter so I don't know if you want to believe this or not but that made the numbers look worse than they actually are um, so I think that is worth noting then they also address the inventory problem here which I was really pumped about and so they say unlike Model S and X we do not build Model 3 vehicles uh, to order so they build them in batches which is something that I've been talking about on the channel and Tesla hasn't really publicly acknowledged that I've seen but now they're really laying that out and they do even include here that that chart there inventory in terms of days sale, days of sales, and as you can see, Tesla's inventory is actually not ballooning as I kind of expected, and when you comp it to the industry norm, it's still way below the industry norm, so the in, the inventory problem, I think, is, was, was a little bit overblown, and I'm glad they wanted to clarify that here in the letter. The other thing, uh, custom-made robo taxi. so Autonomy Investor Day, I, I hope you guys watch my coverage from that, but it was incredible, and uh, now that they, they throw a tidbit in here about it, About how a custom-made robo taxi is is capable of running about a million miles on a single pack the fully self-driving suite of hardware that vehicle is only going to cost them less than 38 grand to produce and they think that the cost of ownership because they have the most efficient electric motor will allow them to have the most profitable robo taxi on the market so tesla is slowly slowly building in uh the autonomy story here into the bull case which makes me really excited as they expand the autopilot software's capabilities Now moving into capacity expansion, Um, I thought this was interesting, Uh, learning from our experience we can now build a second generation Model 3 line in China that we expect to be at least 50% cheaper per unit of capacity than our Model 3 related lines in Fremont and at Gigafactory 1. Our Model Y manufacturing capacity will have the same simplicity as the line planned for Gigafactory Shanghai. And then they have this chart here which sort of visualizes what they're talking about which is because, and this is my biggest takeaway from visiting the factory, I actually just went on another factory tour yesterday I believe, Um, but like when you see the GA3 and then what they they did with the tent ga4 every single production line for tesla is vastly improved in terms of efficiency logistics they just learn the pace of innovation is real and that's what they're telling you here is you know even the model 3 at shanghai it's going to cost us so much less about those production lines and because the model y shows 75 percent of the same parts as model 3 there's also a ton of synergies um and, and the model the, the the capex required to get the model y off the ground is going to be less than the initial model 3 as well so really efficient with the capital spending here um, moving to the last part of the shareholder letter, which is Outlook, although we are driving towards higher internal goals, we reaffirm but guidance of 360,000 to 400,000 vehicle deliveries in 2019. So they're keeping that guidance and I love how they say, although we are driving towards higher internal goals so, th- goals, so they think they can beat that maybe. And they also have this little tidbit here that production of vehicles will be significantly higher than deliveries this year. And I wonder if that's because they wanna start building out a fleet for the Tesla network. Um, Or I'm not really buying this whole excuse that they say that there must be cars processed by customs And that's why they're gonna do way more production than deliveries I don't know a little bit thrown off by that But I think this is an interesting tidbit The next thing here in the outlook is if our gigafactory Shanghai is able to reach volume production in early Q4 this year We may be able to produce as many as 500,000 vehicles globally in 2019 So so I think a lot of the push for Tesla in later this year is gonna come from that gigafactory Shanghai and when that gets online Then they uh, talk about the Model S and X refresh they did, um, which they think is is driving new orders and they believe here that they can guide and they're guiding here that in Q2 they will be able to deliver 90,000 to 100,000 cars which could potentially be a record quarter for Tesla. I mean, this is really exciting stuff for all those people like me worried about demand cliff, worried about, you know, what is steady state demand? Now that a lot of the early adopters have purchased their cars, but it sounds like Tesla is 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 ramping right back up in Q2 and I think that is, you know, super reassuring to me if they can actually hit that numbers. Um, they talk about the energy storage business here. So energy generation and storage revenue should increase significantly in 2019. They're doubling down on this. Yet in the charts I just showed you, we saw the energy business was down sequen- or year over year in Q1. So they're going to have to have a huge energy generation and storage pickup pick throughout the next three quarters of th- this year to, to-, to hit these uh, milestones that they're saying. Um, and they also note that the gross margin is to start to improve significantly as well. Um, so I-, I hope that comes through. Then they also uh, note or touch on CapEx here, uh, which is they, they want to spend about 2 to $2.5 billion, and this should be sufficient to fund Shanghai Giga, Model Y, and Tesla Semi, and Supercharger, and service networks. Last thing on the outlook is the operating cash flow less CapEx should be positive every single quarter, including Q2. As the impact of higher deliveries and cost reduction takes full effect, we expect to return to profitability in Q3 and significantly reduce our loss in Q2. So this is interesting and a very big insight and not ideal for the bull case because you know tesla is committed to being profitable going forward that's what they said last year then in q1 it was like okay we got the debt payment international tax credit overhang they're not going to make money this quarter and they didn't but now they're saying next quarter they're probably not going to make money either although the loss will be greatly reduced But then in q3 is what they're targeting now um, for that sustained profitability and so that is what it is now we're going to get into the conference call notes which is epic and then i'm gonna don't worry at the end i'm gonna give I've sort of been holding off my analysis, but I'm gonna save that all for the end of like what I really think about these numbers. Um, so Elon, of course, starts out the opening remarks. He references the Autonomy Investor Day, saying all self-driving or all Teslas built today have fully self-driving hardware. Over-the-air software updates will allow users to generate revenue from their cars, ten to thirty thousand revenue per car per year or more. Um, and they are the only company in the world that is developing their own vehicles, own batteries and in-house in-house self-driving chip. I cannot stress this enough. The vertically integrated autonomy suite that Tesla's doing, this approach they're taking is unparalleled in the industry. And that is part of the reason I'm, I'm my confidence in their autopilot self-driving capabilities is, is growing, especially after the autonomy investor day. Elon reiterates they wanna have a million robo taxis on the road by 2020 with hardware necessary for fully self-driving, then he doubles down saying, we believe we will have the most profitable autonomous taxi network on the market. And a tidbit from the Autonomous Day presentation was they said, I think he wants to operate his autonomous robot taxi network at a cost of 18 cents per mile and dropping. And so... You know, Uber is 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 charging you only two bucks for a ride, but they're paying two fifty or three bucks to run that ride. Tesla's going to charge you half the price, a buck fifty for that ride or a dollar, but it's only costing them eighteen cents. I mean, that's what Tesla's alluding to here—that the economics of, of the Tesla network versus the Uber and Lyft network are completely flipping on their head you know uber lyft are extremely unprofitable with their networks tesla is planning to be extremely cash flow positive with its autonomy taxi network then um elon goes to say there was huge increase in delivery volume to europe and china this quarter super strained logistics over half of global deliveries occurred in the last 10 days of q1 mostly difficult logistics problems they've ever seen which is saying a lot at tesla and now they're totally switching the way they build out the vehicles instead of doing like uh, all the international in the front of the corner so we can ship them and get them to customers and then us at the end which means everyone in our company globally is delivering cars at the end of the quarter they would rather you know do it sort of more linearly and build cars globally um and blend you know us europe and china builds all at the same time so that's what they're going to do going forward we'll have a much uh, bigger positive impact on working capital throughout the middle of the quarter um then Model 3 was the best-selling premium car in the US, outselling the next best car by 60%. And he says, worth pointing out how incredible this is. And no one predicted this years ago, except for hyperchange. So, but uh, anyway, I think that's awesome. And he says, EV, um is the best-selling premium car in the US. Um, which is mind-boggling. mind, blo- mind boggling. I mean for all us EV tree-hugger enthusiasts like that's it the Model 3 once again is the best selling premium car in the country not just EV not just ICE but the best premium selling car is an electric vehicle and he says that he expects that to take soon that for that to be the case around the globe. Norway in March they set the highest records for any sales of any car in any period ever in march in norway for the model three similarly in switzerland um, people are paying more for a car than they ever have more th- you know because they want the vehicle more than they've any more than any other car they've ever wanted so they're willing to pay more this is the tesla stretch that people talk about um global expansion uh, for model 3 has just begun so they're really excited about you know once they continue to expand to different international markets they think there's a lot of untapped room in the international segment um, they're updating the SNX line to accommodate the next generation of powertrains. Now in production, they were announced yesterday the SNX refresh we've all been waiting for, suspension upgrades. They can do 200 kilowatt charging on V3, they now have longer range. Um, and he says anyone who thinks about wants to upgrade to snx now is a great time and i love how they have that loyalty program where if you already own an srx and you buy one of these new ones you you can get the free 20 grand ludicrous mode upgrade for free which is awesome motor trend did a test drive on the new one for 370 miles of range with sf to la not a single stop to charge i mean that is incredible they went on highway speeds doing it they could have even gone faster um, and he says, with improvements to the S and and expansion of the Model 3 globally, we expect div- deliveries to ramp throughout the remainder of the year. Really positive stuff in line with the guidance. And then he says, very excited for future products, especially fully self-driving, which will fundamentally transform uh, transportation as we know it. And once again, he reiterates how no company in the world, according to him, has a more exciting product roadmap than Tesla. I could not agree more. Then Zach Kirkhorn, the new CFO, gets to uh, jump here in here on the opening remarks. Um, says it was one of those complicated quarters in Tesla's history, even by their own standards, you know standard range Model 3, SNX upgrades, all the pricing changes. Um, and, and, and there were two themes that he wanted to discuss, cash and profitability in terms of cash. They exited with 2.2 billion, a 1.5 billion reduction. They paid the convertible note. Um, working capital impact of expanding Model 3 overseas was really the drag on the cash in the quarter. But every single quarter going forward, they're going to be increasing their cash balance. That is huge you know this whole thing about do they need to still raise money do they need to raise capital which they're going to talk about later um it seems like the cash balance is going increasing every quarter from here which is very reassuring to me and then he even has this tidbit that april is tracking as the best month of sales for the first month in any quarter uh, in tesla's history so that's really promising for q2 um he says delivery cost savings going forward they're going to be less strained um, he also notes that 188 million adjustment 120 million was weighted to snx pricing adjustments residual value guarantee adjustments the other 68 million of the you know uh sort of one-time non-recurring charges was related to restructuring and then he says north american asps for the model 3 are still around 50 grand with the majority of orders being long-range model 3 variants which is really interesting and good for the margins long term um he says s and margin was cut significantly because of pricing but also because they've delivered a lot less cars so they had a lot less revenue to spread over fixed cost. And that really hurt the gross margin of that program from a financial standpoint i love this we built an incredible base of knowledge and assets we can scale to a different product lines around the world giga shanghai is an example of 50 percent improvement in capex reduction and we have the model y built on the model 3 platform 2019 is a huge year for storage a lot of improvements coming there margins will benefit Personally, I've never felt more excited about the company. That was Zach Kirkhorn, the new CFO. Then they turn over to begin the Q&A. They start with the questions from Say, which is awesome. Huge shout out to Say. Um, it's The first one was the Maxwell Technology purchase. What's holding it back? And this was a really, I was pumped about this answer. They were like, um, we're going through approvals with the SEC. We're on schedule. It looks like it'll close in mid-May. Although, there's only about seven million shares tendered. And my understanding is they need to get like 23 million shares tendered. Um, I don't know if there's arbitrage funds that are just holding out to the last minute, but surprisingly allowed to comment on the Maxwell acquisition and very confident about it, that it will go through, which I was pumped about. Next question, will Tesla create an insurance product? Um, Because the insurance market seems behind. And he says Elon says, yes, in about a month, we are gonna be launching a Tesla insurance product. So this is really fascinating. Insurance company has been lagging to price in the safety of Tesla's vehicles. And I think that's just an opportunity for Tesla to launch their own product. Um, and that's what they're going to do. So I didn't see that coming at all. That's you know huge news um, out, of, out of this conference call. We have another question from Say. Uh, People see Tesla as only an automotive company. What about Tesla Energy? Will this When will this take off? Um, Elon says, really the challenge is battery cell capacity. Stationary storage is tough. Um, when they had all the vehicle cells, they converted every gigafactory battery line to Model 3 last year, and then they used, you know, were scrambling for cells, he says, from other suppliers for the Powerwall Power Pack. Now that's over, that Model 3 production is sort of scaled. The bottlenecks are gone. Um, this year, they want to put 5 to 10% of cell output for Powerwalls and power packs. but there's far fewer cells in Powerwalls than a car, so this is actually a substantial amount. So once again, they're reiterating here, they want to see Powerwall pack and power wall growth um, I think energy storage deployment of 300% this year so they're still way behind in Q1 so something's got to pick up here Big time in the second half this year. That's what they're guiding for for energy storage. So I would be pumped about that They're significantly increasing the retrofit solar this year Which I said was weak this quarter But apparently they've refined the product offering and it's something that's much more compelling Cost-efficient to install and a radically streamlined process from before so even before the solar roof retrofit solar could also be a bright spot picking up the energy business later this year Then solar roof uh, is on version three though. It takes a while to scale. It needs to last 30 years. The warranty's 2025. So they really have to test it and they want simple and easy installation. Elon says he was just at the Tesla Buffalo factory. I'm really impressed with the team looking forward to scaling this year and next. Uh, When will semi-production next say question when will semi-production begin? Uh, They said next year They've been driving the trucks extensively working incredibly well already using them to deliver some Model 3's um, and they don't know where the location is set but I guess they're gonna announce that soon, and semi-production starting in 2020, which is a year later than they originally said in 2019. Next question from Say is about the new fully self-driving computer. It's like, oh, if I already have my car, like, do I need to upgrade to that immediately? The answer is basically like, well, there's not gonna be features that differentiate the new fully self-driving chip for another two to three months. So there's no rush to implement that chip. But once that happens in two to three months, the pace of improvement and features on the new chip will start to accelerate dramatically and so that is super exciting and sort of an interesting clue into the timeline of how they think the new fully self-driving chip and that feature set will ramp within the next two to three months some really exciting stuff could be happening then we get off the say platform they go to the analyst jp morgan um, guidance for 90 to 100,000 deliveries in q3 um, implies huge growth in the back of half of that year. Like, is there any catalyst you're counting on for that? Elon's like, eh, not really. We're seeing super strong demand across SX and three. Um, $39,000 Model 3 Standard Plus with Autopilot is incredible value available to 40% of income earners in the US and Europe. With upgraded S and X, they're seeing lot, lots of people anticipated this, Elon said, and it is a game changer of an upgrade. They expect to see a big uptick in demand um, and, and significant uptick in demand. And also out of seasonality, out of Q1, he says, and the tax credit overhang, which is huge drags on this quarter. And with those gone, um, things are going to start to ramp sequentially uh, throughout the year. And additionally, he notes that the rear, real right hand drive Model 3 hasn't really been launched or rolled out yet. And so that's just another tidbit of showing you how the international expansion of Model 3 is still in its early phases and they can tap into a lot of demand there. Um, and he says, I, We're feeling really think- good about where things are headed in terms of demand. Follow up why isn't the Model Y going to be built at Fremont? Is it packed to the gills or is it because anticipated demand from Fremont vehicles is less than you thought or have you found more space and basically Elon says we can append space to the west side of the building convert warehouse space in Fremont to Model Y so without disturbing SX and 3 production they could add in a Model Y line somewhere I my impression is from just being at Fremont that that's gonna be really really hard to do but that's what they're guiding for so if they do it at Fremont it sounds like they can squeeze it in but to me a gigafactory setup for the Model Y production seems like a safer more sort of long-term strategic bet. Then Pierre Faragou, I hope I'm saying that right, New Street Research, a question about the model SNX, comfortable with demand, do you think with this new refresh we can get back to the 25,000 units a quarter, 100,000 units a year? And then Elon says, yes, I think we can get back to that 100,000 steady state demand for SNX. We're seeing demand return to normal in Q2, maybe better than normal, um, but he thinks that demand will pick back up with that new refresh. And then actually another random Tesla employee hops in and says that the production decrease this quarter for SNX was partially because of retooling the production 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 lines for this new Q2 refresh. That that made me feel a little bit better about the weak SNX numbers that reported this quarter. Next question is: uh, You're back at night, you know, in Q2, you're back delivering 90 to 100,000 units, but you're still expecting a loss. But in Q3 and Q4, you delivered that many cars, but you made money. So what's, you know, what's the thing here? Honestly, this is, I love this answer because Elon basically says, every single quarter we push through this scrambling wave of deliveries at the end of the quarter it's huge stress on the company it's not a great experience for customers and they could force profitability in q2 if they wanted but it would be at the sacrifice of the customer experience of the delivery infrastructure and i love that answer from elon and i love that they're focusing on the customer and not on the short-term profitability that's like what i've been pounding the table on on this channel and so for them to for me to hear elon like and tesla alter their strategy to care less about the profits, care more about the customers, ease that delivery process. I was awesome. So Adam Jonas comes in Uh, a couple days ago. I asked about the safety of self-driving, About it's about as two X as safe as a human. Now Um, you're in a great position to collect a ton of data and show the government how uh, much safer autopilot is. When will this validation happen? What it seems very important for adoption. So great question from Adam Jonas. And he's actually seeming bullish on, on Tesla actually met Adam Jonas at the autonomy day. Shout out. He was, Really cool guy, actually had a ton of fun talking to him. So um, anyway, but Elon answers it and says, uh, you know, the detail, we're going to keep reporting the details, those quarterly autonomy press releases. They also want to launch their own insurance company next week where they're going to launch a bunch more information about the safety of the cars and how that correlates to lower insurance rates. And he says it was substantial arbitrage opportunity where we have direct knowledge of the risk profile of each driver and they will have to drive uh, safely. And if they don't, the insurance weight will be higher. More tidbits about the Tesla insurance program there. And then uh, Adam Jonas says, there's so much drama around the share price and quarterly results, Uh, you know, it's a distraction, you know, Uh, so much capital deployed in in domains where Tesla has real leadership, you know, why are you not private? So interesting question from Jonas here. Elon says, look, I'd rather be private and he basically says, like a Buffett quote, that's like, being a public company is like having a guy stand outside your house every day and yell the value at it, even though it's just the same house. And I love that analogy, uh, more, you know, Elon qu- quoting Buffett, it's like two of my idols, like epic. But anyway, he says it's a bit of a distraction, but he doesn't know what to do about it, they're going to stay public. Uh, Macri, supply chain uh, limitations impacting production in Q1 is, you know, what happened there? And then uh, will they continue into Q2? And Elon was basically like, no, uh, in Q2 we're through supplier interruption, so maybe that will help production ramp uh, or scale more quickly. Cannibalization from 3 to S and X, they say, eh, we think it's different market segments. And Martin chimes in saying only 3% of trade-ins for Model 3 are coming from the Model S, which is really interesting. Wolf Research. Mentioned the $50,000 average selling price for the Model 3. Is that a number? Since the price adjustments uh, you know, that were on 28th with the $35,000 introduction, Zach Kirkhorn says, basically, look, yes, we ran the standard range Model 3. Obviously, ASPs came down because there was pent up demand, but every week since then, ASPs have been going up and slowly normalizing towards that $50,000 number. Sakanagi Bernstein, um, we've talked about this whole nature of raising capital for the last year. He, he words this really well. And he says, you've shoot away as an evil thing but a lot of your investors including Hyperchange would agree that you the company could be better served serving its growth aspirations if you did raise capital um given you 2 billion in cash in the quarter about it seems like you're going through a very thin space and you while being self-funding risky and trying to grow quickly you know why wouldn't you raise capital you know is this not something Tesla should do and i love how open-minded and well Elon takes his question he says um, look raising capital should be a substitute for making the company operate more efficiently it's we needed this financial discipline we've you know we needed to be on a Spartan diet we wanted to go lean um, you know at this point I, I, I do think there is some merit to raising capital he admits that but he thinks you know if we raise capital every time there's no forcing function to improve fundamental operations and this was really really healthy and then Kirkhorn chimes in on that and and i love his answer that saying this last 18 month journey of going to getting profitable and making all these improvements and streamlining the operations has really been a culture change at Tesla. And that's something Martin explained to me on my factory tour about eight months ago is, it's less about like, oh, we need to be profitable every quarter. We need to do this. It's just a flip in the mindset of Tesla of, we're not a startup that's burning as much money as we want. We don't care about that. We're just growing like crazy towards, okay, we're getting a little bit more mature. Let's start you know breaking down our expenses. Let's start working our way towards being self-sustaining and profitable. And that's a cultural inflection point that is super important, that has been slowly happening and it takes time. And so I love this explanation there. But then they sort of leave it open to look, we might raise capital and like if if we see the opportunities right and, and we we may do it. So interesting and I think they're opening the door to raise money, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, Piper Jaffrey, honestly, his first question wasn't that good, but his second question about uh, closing stores, then hedging. He goes, do you have an update there on your go-to-market strategy? And then Elon goes, look, I didn't communicate that well. He owns up to his mistake, which was awesome, and says, look, we're going to continue to open stores, um, you know, and and we're going to continue to have our stores where they're functional, there's high foot traffic, we're going to continue to open new stores and double, like, this is our strategy, but where there's stores where nobody's walking into them and it doesn't make sense to have them, we're going to cut them and close them. This is just common sense uh Jeffries asking them about the deal with uh fiat chrysler with those credits that 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 they're selling to tesla could be a ton of money they basically say we have a confidential with fiat chrysler we can't say anything that's it um and then they say um back to jonas's question about all the drama with tesla wouldn't it help if you disclose monthly deliveries and elon's like no it would do the opposite because monthly deliveries would make people focus on the monthly sales numbers, not the quarterly sales numbers, were already lumpy on a quarterly basis. Imagine how many incorrect conclusions would be drawn if we reported them on a monthly basis. And so I totally agree with Elon there, and I think that would be a horrible idea. Tamburino, Goldman, next question. Customer deposits slat to flightly down. What about uptake for Model Y? Can you tell us about that? Um, they basically said, uh, we can't read into Model Y orders at this point. It's not even in production. And then I heard the Goldman Sachs analyst laugh, which I think he deserved, or earned that laugh, because... Remember the Model 3, it was all about the backlog and how many orders we get and how pumped we are and how that insinuates demand. But now when the Model 3, Model Y orders aren't that good and they get asked about it, they're like, oh, that's not important. So a little bit of a catch-22, but I do see it. It's just like they don't want to disclose that, and so they moved on. And then Oppenheimer says, will you be battery strained at 100,000 units per quarter in Q2? Answers no. He says, Maxwell tech integration. When will that tech be integrated? What are the potential changes? I guess some of these analysts are watching HyperChange. Joking. But, and then he says, Elon says, oh, you're asking some secret sauce questions. Like, kind of chuckles. And says, we're going to have an investor day this year or next. To go over sell battery tech to go to, to explain this. Um, and we do recognize the like how critical this is. So they're gonna have another, not autonomy investor day, but potentially a battery technology investor day coming up this year or next, where they're gonna explain the next generation of their battery roadmap, which is like I'm so so excited for. And this little tidbit here, I think, is super exciting. And you know, I haven't heard Elon discuss the Maxwell Technologies at all. But the answers on this call to me validate my thesis of Maxwell, which is this is a game-changing technology for the electric vehicle industry. If you're a battery assembly manufacturing company like Tesla and you can leverage the dry battery electrode, not have those ovens, not have the toxic solvents, have your battery that's twice the cycles, twice the life, is more efficient on a watt-hours per kilogram basis, like this is game-changing. And the the vibe I got from this call is the Maxwell deal is going to go through, and there is a significant breakthrough with that technology, and we are going to hear a lot more about it at an investor day in a year or so. So, you know, still on the back burner, still long-term, but I'm, I'm as bullish and excited about Maxwell as ever from hearing that answer. Then RBC comes in asking about Model S and X gross margin um, and they see that um, as they increase volume they think gross margins are going to go back up for that program. And they also throw in a tidbit about this new powertrain, even though it's way more efficient, adds range, it actually costs less for Tesla. So let me say that again, They they upgraded the Model S and X with this new drivetrain that seems fancier, gives you more range, you can do all these things, the specs are way better, the charging's faster, but it's cheaper for Tesla to produce. So better product for consumers, cheaper to produce equals fatter margins. That's really exciting to me. Colin Langan uh, from UBS says, you don't see demand issue from the price cuts are uh, for some of the products, but you know, why are you cutting prices? Are margins under pressure? You know, what's the logic of price cuts? And then, you know, Elon says, look, the goal since we started this company is to make the cars as affordable as possible. You know, the 39,500 Model 3 with Autopilot nailed the sweet spot. We're seeing a huge response. You can still get the 35,000 one, slightly more inconvenient to buy. You got to make a call or visit, but it's still easy. But he's basically saying like, "We, we, you know, in our mind, we wanted to make that sort of mass market premium EV, get the Model 3 there. We had to do it. It just took all these pricing cuts. And now we're sort of finally at the sweet spot of pricing. And then he says, still targeting the China ramp by the end of the year. Do you have a battery supplier? Uh, he, Elon says Giga, uh, Gigafactory Shanghai progress going incredibly well he gets you know emails every day with a dozen pics of daily progress from Tom Zhu who leads the Gigafactory program I've been hearing his name pop up more and more so that could be an interesting executive to follow Tom Zhu um, head of Tesla China Gigafactory 3 but anyway he's saying the execution is outstanding but remember production goes as fast as the slowest item so he says Elon it looks like we can reach volume production of a 2,000 cars per week Uh, by the end of this year and if it's not then it'll be shortly thereafter so it sounds like Shanghai could be coming online with some pretty meaningful volume in in Q4 or or later this year and he notes that they're gonna be using uh, multiple battery cell suppliers for Shanghai Giga doesn't say who and so Anyway, that wraps up the conference call. Um, They end it with an Elon chuckle, and and that is what it is. I guess, you know, my my overall takeaway on the quarter is, A, we knew this was going to be tough. There was a convergence of international deliveries, tax credit overhang, you know, this uh, Q1 is seasonally weak that made the quarter look a lot worse. Than the core business of Tesla is, and so you know my my intuition here was like, look, if they really got hit hard on the cash, then they would be in trouble, and if demand wasn't picking back up, then they would really be in trouble. But the cash balance of 2.2 billion makes me feel way better, especially that's going to be climbing every quarter from here sequentially. No big more big debt payments. SNX refresh is out, that's gonna start spurring demand for those products. And part of our whole worry of like, oh my god, what production was so low is because of retooling for the refresh. And so I think Tesla overall is in you know an incredible position. And, and my confidence in the company, frankly, has never been higher. The stock price is low. I bought two shares today before earnings, but my conviction in this company has never been higher, mainly because of the autonomy day that I went to. I mean, the more this is sunk in, you know, I was in a Tesla that drove itself. Like for 15 minutes, the guy touched the wheel once. Other than that, we were on city streets, it was reading stoplights, it was turning, it was interacting with human drivers, it was getting off the highway, it was changing lanes, it was putting on its arrow by itself. Like, this is crazy to me. Like, you know, people talk about self-driving cars, they're years away, you know, when's it gonna hit? Who's gonna win? Who's got the best tech? I don't know, but what I do know is I was riding it in a Model 3 and it was driving itself and it was incredible and it was so vastly improved from what I experienced in the autopilot just six and eight months ago that the pace of innovation of what Tesla's doing in this category. And it's exponential. They have the new fully self-driving chip that they they can deploy new neural nets on. That's only gonna further accelerate the development of this entire technology stack. You know, and I think you only have more cars hitting the road, which is training the neural net even faster. This is a flywheel. This is not an S-curve. This is an exponential curve. And this is one of the biggest disruptions I can think of in humanity, you know, during my lifetime. is gonna be watching self-driving cars go mainstream. And it's, I almost realized that I don't even think there is a good analogy for the disruption this is about to cause because it's so big and we haven't seen anything like it and it's just hard to wrap your head around, you know, what this means. Our entire cities are built around cars, parking lots, roads, you know, this individual vehicle ownership model, not transportation as a service. As we shift to robotic taxis and transportation as a service, you know, this industry is going to change in the next 10 years more than it has in the past hundred or more. And so Tesla to me is years ahead with a vertically integrated technology stack of autonomy. And so, you know, this quarterly results is one thing, but at the back of my head, you know, the more and more I'm thinking about this autopilot opportunity and what Elon said about how they wanna operate at cash flow neutrality until then, basically do the Amazon model as every dollar in profit they bring in, they're gonna immediately reinvest in the business, the tech, building the fleet. And then when they flip on this robotic taxi network, he expects them to be incredibly profitable and cash flow positive. That was a tidbit he dropped in the autonomy day. And I see it happening. And I was the one criticizing Tesla, saying, you know, calling out everybody who texts me, all the bulls were like, Gally, what do you think about the Autonomy Network? What value do you assign to it? And I'm like zero because we don't know when it's going to launch and how many, how much revenue is it going to generate. And I, I, you know, I, I appreciate that conservatism. You know, being conservative is great, but on the flip side, now we have the timeline. Q4 2020 in certain jurisdictions is the game plan. Let's add a year or two for Elon time, even if it's Q1 2022. Like the Tesla Network is coming and it's a huge deal. And you know, Tesla's built right now is a Trojan horse and you are paying them to drive their cars to train their neural networks, and no other company has this. Every other car company is paying to put cars on the road with sensors and suites. anyway, so that's my rant. But that is why my conviction in Tesla has never been higher because I really believe in the autonomy story and thesis. And specifically on a financial level, as they start raising the price of fully self-driving, like May 1st, by a thousand bucks, as more fully self-driving features roll out, the the more and more of a portion of your purchase of a Tesla is going to software. The margin of the car, you know, $1,000 on a $40,000 car doesn't seem like much, but when your margin on that $40,000 car is this thin, that $1,000 is super high margin software revenue, you just went up, you could have doubled your operating income from that vehicle. And the further they raise that fully self-driving price, um, you know, the more, the higher the gross margin structure of their unit sales will be. And I don't think people are appreciating this. I don't think people appreciate how fast the technology is improving and how big of a disruption this is, how much Tesla is leading. And so as you know, I guess I'm getting sidetracked from the quarterly numbers, but those are things I'm excited about. The other thing I'm excited about is this Maxwell tech investor day is just going to be, you know, absolutely incredible. And so, you know, look at this quarter we had, you know, this is 2019 is the first year without the tax credits. All the early adopters are gone. This is the real world test of Tesla as a company. And I think they're going to succeed. And, and, you know, this was a, a tough quarter, but, you know, all these companies, Tesla's growing like crazy. They're going to have great quarters like they did in Q3 and Q4. They're going to have bad quarters. It's going to be lumpy. But the trajectory is improving intrinsic earnings power, intr- improving uh, revenue growth, improving core technology, staying ahead in terms of the lead of their core technology. And that is, that is what has me so excited. And and the other one thing I want to say is like, and so I, I, I got the opportunity to speak to Elon Musk uh, at the Autonomy Investor Day, like, you know, speaking to him directly, giving him feedback. I told him, uh, him and Martin, that I thought the Autonomy Investor Day was a game changer for the story for Tesla long term. And I thought it was a really brilliant move for their communication strategy. And I think that's slowly and slowly going to pay off and boost the valuation. And I, I like, and I was also talking to him, I was next to him when him and Ross Gerber were talking about how Gerber's like telling him how he needs to tweet less. And like, you know, he's ruining everything by, you know, these production tweets, and it was hilarious just to witness it. And actually, Elon was so cool and receptive to it um, that, you know, that that's one of my big takeaways is, like, you hear so many things about Elon Musk and Tesla, like, it's this crazy company. Like, my impression from Elon, the couple times I met him and asked him questions, like, he's really, like, cool. You know, just a friendly, genuinely nice guy who like cares and is thinking and is listening and is very polite and respectful. So that's just one thing that I really appreciate. But like, he listens. He's really listening and he's open-minded and he's you know, I, and I don't know. I just get a lot more confidence. He seemed calmed, he seemed confident, like this is a CEO that I want to invest in. And so I don't know, you know, there's not much concrete evidence of what I'm saying here, but I guess I left meeting with Elon uh, feeling a lot more confident. And, you know, I, my theory is like you, we hear Elon say this thing, I mean, I even told him this, like his quote about how buying a car today without autonomy is going to be like buying a horse. I mean, I think when people think about this in 50 years and they say, you know, and they watch that video back of Elon and Lex Friedman's podcast saying this is if you don't have a car with autonomy, it's like a horse. Like it sounds so crazy, you know. Cars appreciating assets, cars that are used, you know, 50 percent of the time instead of five percent of the time. Like it, like people are like letting these comments fly over their head when people don't, you know. And I, I don't know. I just the scope of this disruption of whoever's first in self-driving is hitting, and I think Tesla's going to do it, and I think this is going to dwarf every other business opportunity they have. Um, Anyway, so that is what it is. That's my end of the rant. You know, I also, at the Autonomy Investor Day, got to talk to, you know, all the autopilot executives. I mean, these are the smartest people in the world. I mean, super friendly, super kind people, which I appreciate answering all our questions. But, like, just you know, uh, a company is people at the end of the day. And I think in stealth mode, the past couple conference calls, Elon's been trying to bring the autopilot people on. He's been trying to tell the story because they don't think the market understands that building the fully integrated autonomy suite is something no one's doing. That's how the self-driving problem's gonna get solved. If Tesla can do it first, that is a multi-hundred billion dollar opportunity that dwarfs the current business. And I think that's gonna start to get realized and priced into the thesis. Um, that's why my conviction's never been higher. I think this quarter is is just one crappy quarter and, and we'll, we'll get beyond it. So anyway. That, that's my analysis. Um, I hope I didn't rant too much or get too off tangent, but um, I thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please let me know what you think of the quarter in the comments below. Uh, you know, what did you think of the numbers? What do you think about all this stuff? The Maxwell Investor Day, the Autonomy Investor Day, like I would love to hear all of it. Um, huge shout out to our Patreon supporters, producers, funding the channel. You watching, generating ad revenue and our Patreon producers are the reasons that I get to go to these autonomy events, that I get to cover them for hyper change. And then I'm going to keep bringing you guys amazing content about Tesla. So thank you so much. I'll see you guys next time. Happy Tesla earnings day. Peace.